0: This episode is dedicated to Martin John Garcia. Martin John is very courageous and he is also the founder of the Recover Yourself podcast. Martin has a unique position on addiction and recovery. He believes that every day when he wakes up, his recovery begins again And he also has 18 years of sobriety, but not 18 years free from addiction. And he talks about beyond his drugs of choice, being alcohol and some other minor drugs, his you know his sobriety and addiction led to other areas of in his in his life, such as gambling and a few other things. And he talks about how he had to put this in a greater perspective. So, in his own words, I just wanted to read an excerpt that he sent um, that I found very touching and very helpful to me. Although alcohol was my drug of choice for the majority of my most troubled times that did not keep me away from forming closer relationships with other drugs. I spent 12 years, gratefully at the time, under the influence. My choices were not my own, and that put me in the position of being the observer of my life. Once I cleaned up and got sober, my addictions weren't gone, but they were spreading out to other areas as I found escapes in gambling and even my own work. All of that was to avoid being an active participant in my life. This is where the seeds of Recover Yourself were born. Understanding that fear had no place in my life was key. Seeing that looking back and counting days had no value. If I wasn't actually moving towards something, changed how I approached my recovery. That's amazing. Um, Martin John has 18 years of being clean and sober, and he doesn't want to equate that with being 18 years without addiction. In his words, my recovery continues every day because I am moving forward. Yes, one day at a time from where I've been, but every day, I am also one day closer to who I am going to be. Martin started the Recover Yourself podcast to talk and give a voice to people with long-term recovery. He knows that too many people did not take the first step because they don't know what's on the horizon. In his own words, there are also way too many people living sober, but also living with the fear of who they've been and what they're capable of. The podcast, the Recover Yourself podcast, is for those looking to add the conversation of recover to their conversation of recover from.
1: If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 31 of the Sobers Dope podcast with your host, Pop Buchanan. This episode today is a unique episode And the episode is entitled, Recover Yourself. And this episode is from the podcast, Recover Yourself, with your host, Martin John Garcia. Now, Martin reached out to me a f- a month, about a month ago and he said he found he he came across the Sober's Dope podcast. He found some of my work on Instagram and he was interested in having a conversation with me in regards to my process, my recovery, my addiction and my story. And um, he was definitely interested because, you know, I have six years under my belt. As you guys know, come December 15th, I would have seven years, and John was like, you know, he wanted to interview people with some years in the game, you know, some skin in the game, some skin in the game. It's not like I, you know, kudos to all the newbies, but I guess you know you know a certain level of experience comes with time and i'm on my journey and john is like a bigger brother to me because he has 18 years of recovery from alcohol and um some drugs so me i have six years of recovery from alcohol And, you know, being um, um, having the opportunity to bounce ideas off of someone like Martin John is um, invaluable because in the recovery community, we need all the help that we can get. And what fascinates me about John is he he's like me where. We we we're trying to find a whole body, mind and spiritual approach to recovery. And we're at a stage in our recovery where we're not necessarily, you know, have to be in like talk therapy groups or in um necessary twelve step groups to kind of thrive, you know, where we where, where we could see, you know, further and um Nothing against those particular groups because again, you know, AA is a backbone to me and I love AA and a lot of his tenants is not like that. It's just that what we, we found common ground and not depending on that to um, remain sober. For me, you know, I have a lot that I do. I mean, I'm doing, I meditate, I pray, I work on diet, nutrition, a whole um, mind-body approach. And I also use the tenets of AA, yes. But it's not like if I don't go to a meeting, I'm going to possibly relapse. That's not my thing. I think um, I'm doing the work every day and it's a multi various approach and a multifaceted approach to recovery. Um, I, so ladies and gentlemen, I'm really excited. Um, this particular episode on, uh, um, entitled, uh, recover yourself is, um, um, John's interviewing me and, um, you know, so be a little patient. Some parts of the episode, I come, you know, I'm a little, I, I speak very fast, so you have to follow me. But if you're sober dope, if you're part of the Sober's dope universe, you're accustomed to my rants and my run on pa- and passion sentences. So I'm really excited. Um, I have a unique voice here. John has a unique voice here. Listening to the episode again I learned a lot you know because sometimes when you're being interviewed and you're having a conversation you're throwing things out there and you're trying to come from the heart and be authentic and you know you can surprise yourself sometimes so when I was re-listening I learned a lot so ladies and gentlemen I really really want to want you to enjoy this episode and please follow martin john garcia's um, website follow him on his social media follow his podcast this guy's doing great work in the recovery and addiction community i left all his information in the show notes so with no further ado ladies and gentlemen please enjoy episode 31 of the sober is dope podcast where you have the opportunity to listen to the amazing conversation between pop buchanan and martin john garcia on his podcast recover yourself
1: Welcome to the Recover Yourself podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's,
0: it's a pleasure.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm super excited to talk to you because you're doing a lot of stuff within the within the recovery field. And how much time do you have offhand?
0: Oh, six and a half years. So December fifteenth makes seven years. So I'm excited about that. So I have a solid six and a half. That's years.
1: nice. That's nice. I'm super excited for you. So what are all the things that you're doing? within your recovery, I know you you do music, you do clothing, you do like, am I mistaken? Like- No, like...
0: no, you're right on point. So fundamentally I, I started out, um, a lot of my past has been music related. So I really, sobriety actually gave me my creativity back. And I talk about that a lot in the podcast, but um, I gave up doing music about, I would say uh, 10 years ago, I gave it up. I just was like, it's not for me. And when I found my sobriety and got into recovery, I realized there was a lot of things that was missing. I was like, something missing. And I think it was my creative side. Because I put so many years into music. And if I never found my recovery, I wouldn't have been able to find my passion and reconnect with music. But in reconnecting with my music, it was exciting because I had a real voice. I was my authentic self because before, you know, I, I was, I'm a lyricist, a poet, lyricist, I do hip hop and stuff like that. And before, you know, I would be drinking, partying, blah, 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 and my music was everywhere. But my sobriety made me hone in on a message of positivity and, I, you know, my music became a new movement and um so yeah so that's one of the things that i was i'm, I'm doing and then i recently launched the Is dope podcast which is very exciting thank god um so super exciting
1: I, yeah, I, yeah yeah like that's uh, like that that's that's fresh off fresh off the
0: presses as they say it's isn't fresh it? off the press yes and um and that spawned the message because our whole goal is to spread the message that sobriety is cool and dope and and, fun and hot, and the thing is, you know, sometimes I get a little heat from the sober dope, from like, I guess, a more mature community, you know, one guy was like, well, I can't compare my cleansingness, or cleanliness, or um, being clean to anything dope related, and I was saying, well, look, you know, I, this is more for you know, my generation and the younger generation—that's their little phrase they like to throw around. If something is cool or hot, they say it's dope. So it's my way of of bringing the next generation into the fold of and the, the conversation of sobriety and recovery. Um, also you know with my generation and just bridging the gap and trying to have something that's cool and relatable so that's why we started the clothing to spread the message so we have the shirts and stuff and you know I made sure uh, I try not to have a heavy monetization on the sober movement because a lot of people like to capitalize on sobriety and i'm not looking at it as big business for me it was more about spreading the message so i got those going on so it's the music the podcast the clothing and then you know the the motivational speech work that i do so i'm just trying to spread the message well that's and i
1: I have to say what a great message sober is dope i love it like no (laughs) absolutely (laughs) love it like because like when when we talk sober is dope we're talking being high on life you know um this is like being sober and, and experiencing life. Like, there's magic in that. And there's a magic in that that like dope never can touch, right? And so, like, I totally support that message and love it. And, and I think that like sober's dope is a great like message and you're, you're, you're hitting all the bases. So congratulations on that. Oh,
0: thank you so much. You know, Hey, we, we, we have to stay, we stay high on our sobriety, right? I, I, I like to ride the wave of my sobriety and our sobriety and being in recovery is so is magical. And so, you know, I'm excited to be here and spread that message. It's so cool.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I want to get into now. What are some of the big things that you've noticed about yourself since getting sober
0: well you know I I struggled a lot when um prior to getting sober with a lot of things it was um you know bereavement issues with my father it was a lot of fear of loss relationship there how um, old were you when your dad died my I was 13 years old and okay. he was like my absolute superhero and hero and he died right in front of me of a heart attack unfortunately and he was young he was only 52 um, and so, you know, prior to that it was like I was just the I was challenged with a lot of things. Like I just were I didn't express it. I felt like it was a bit a large amount of arrested development. And um finding my sobriety I discovered that I was just naturally an extremely sensitive person, right? I, I just naturally, you know, I And in retrospect, I realized I didn't really need alcohol or anything to make me feel whole. I naturally had enough inside of me. And I remember my mother telling me as a young guy, she was like, listen, I don't think you ever should drink because you have enough energy. I think it would be bad for you. I think other people can, but you should never do it. And then I did anyway, and it always created problems for me it was actually gross like looking back a lot of the stuff that i was doing the cult just made me feel physically awful you know and i just never needed it so i grew a lot but i also realized i had to deal with i had to like really address fear the concepts of fear and i think a lot of people go through this i think uh, addiction is all tied to a lot of fear anxiety um stress worrying and i had to find a way to put that in perspective so um you know, and at the time I felt like I was running on a thousand, you know, when I was drinking and stuff, I was always on a thousand. I was never, I never slowed down. I was never happy, but I was always the light for the party. Um... And I just didn't do any work to really understand myself. I was always just running on, I was just like on speed, or like, you know, metaphorical speed. Like, I never had a chance to slow down. So, my recovery allowed, gave me a couple of things. It helped me to understand that I'm a sensitive, naturally sensitive person and that, you know, um, I had to take a lot of really good care of myself and love myself a lot. It taught me what love in myself meant and self-care gave me a good big concept of self-care it also made me sensitive to other people's right and how my relationships and my actions affect others so it gave me a large sense of accountability i don't think i had any accountability um or any form of emotional accountability um so you know, we have times in, you know, emotional sobriety and stuff like that. And being sober helps me balance a lot of things out. Um, also, it's the concept of transformation. You mentioned uh, you know, I'm not the same person. I'm a, I'm a whole different person. So every day is like a new day. I'm learning everything. There's things that sobriety took away from me and things that sobriety gave me. How would you define yourself before your sobriety? Give me six words. <laughs> um... Myself before sobriety, um, wild, crazy, uh, afraid, sad, and depressed. All right. Um. So, so, who are you today? Who am I today? Um. I'm free today. I feel whole today, and I feel complete even though i have a lot of life to go and a lot of progression i feel like if i die today i would have i I, I would have done good and i feel like i made a significant change to transform my story and to leave a legacy so i feel blessed, lucky i feel like one of the guys who got out um And I'm just blessed, man. I, I, honestly, I should be dead. And for some reason, the universe chose me not to, to live. And I have 100 friends that didn't make it that was better people than I was. And I sometimes have to deal with that. So who I am today, I'm a very lucky, compassionate person that's free and willing to do the hard work to live a good life.
1: You and me both, man. I'm Amen. like, you know, I'm always I'm always talking about like the fact that I talk about the idea that I'm living on borrowed time. You know, because 'cause 'cause you're right, like there was shit that that I really probably shouldn't have made it through, you know yes, yes. um, and here I am yes. still I'm still here, I'm kicking it i'm i'm and I'm doing my work and 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 the thing is is that when I should have died, I kind of wanted to, and now that I can die happy, knowing that my life is. you know it it is perfect in in you know like you know like i don't want to say perfect but like i don't have a definition for that word perfect but like you know i'm always learning and and i'm always doing stuff so so but but my life is amazing from where i am you know and and i love it and and i can die happy knowing that that's the case now um when i could have died using like, those were times that I didn't want to be alive. And and that's an interesting thing, because, like, I realize that, you know, like, there was a, a lot had to be learned between then and now. And, and I want to ask, like, did you find something within yourself that was worth living for?
0: Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Like, look... Uh... I found, I found what I found within myself was Godhead. And for people out there who may not believe in God, I, you know, I found the creative source of all things, all life and all creation within me. And I realized making that connection, that was the exact force that I had to call upon to help me in my darkest hour. And it was just very spontaneous. I was just walking one day. Literally, like on my deathbed, just pre or, or borderline homeless, had nowhere to go, had no food, had no money, walking down the middle of the street. And right before I was gonna pick up a cigarette off the floor, I fell to my knees and I asked God, I said, Listen, if you're out there, if you exist, which all my life people tell me you exist, and I prayed and I did all these things, I'm in trouble and I need help. And I literally, and some people, I'm being as genuine as possible, I literally heard a voice say, get up and go, jump the turnstile, get on the train, go to the hospital in Manhattan, somewhere around 14th Street. That's what I heard. And on 14th Street, it was a Catholic hospital that I went to and the rest is history. They took me, I could go more into detail, but in the short form, that thing that helped me in the beginning is what I found. And that's the guiding force that keeps me going. Um, and I also found a level uh, a bottomless hit of just love and mercy and compassion, uh, unending. Well, I could always go back to, it. and it's just, and I and I have, to, and I now I want to live more than ever. And I have a lot to look forward to. I right? somewhere in me is my future generations. I don't have kids yet. Um, addiction is going to make me a really old dad because I never can get it together enough to have kids. I'm, I'm 39 years old today. And I have future generations in me that I'm gonna make kings and queens, that that's gonna be very strong. Um, I have I have people that I wanna teach and I have a, a propensity to want to live and and every day I'm growing. So that's that's something, you know, I found in a peace. And it was the worst thing. I went from having no peace and being this total dark force and this confused person and this struggling kid to just this peaceful human being and I and I found my divinity and I mean, that's worth all the money in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that was,
1: you know, that was, that was, you couldn't have scripted that. So, I want to thank you for that answer because that's it. You know, like trying to, and 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 I want to point out that you have been saying like you found God, but as you continued talking, you said I found it within me. Yeah. Right, and that. You know, I talked to, in, on my first episode of this, I talked with this guy, Joe, Joe Lawson, who, who, and I don't know if this got edited out or not, but, but he says, if my recovery was going to be about my daughter, God forbid she were to die, because then, wow. you, you know, wow. like, and that's how he knew that it had to be about him. Right, and he, It had to be about him completely Because what's going to keep him sober If it is outside of And so for me to hear you say Okay it's God, great Where is God? And then you say it's in me And that makes me just kind of be like Yes, like you're right You're Like, like we're on the same page And I'm super excited about that um, Just yeah. because again If you put it on anybody It's got to be you Because you're the only one that's going to be here
0: Yes, absolutely absolutely
1: as you were beginning your journey what were some things that you were reluctant to change or you just thought could never change you just figured this was you and that would never change
0: well um you know when I first when I first went in it's a couple things I didn't believe that I didn't know that could happen this this is all part of a miraculous process of me looking at life and this mercy and compassion because me i felt like i was so far gone and and martin i want you to know the premise of sober is open a lot of this i speak the deeper psychological aspects of the addict that i like to speak to is in our dark state we feel like we went so far We damaged ourselves and the world so much and we made so much of a mess of this beautiful thing called life that there's no coming back. And that tends to push the addict further and further in obscurity. At least it did for me because I I used to be, you know, in the darkness, like, you know what? I think my liver's damaged. My mom's not talking to me no more. I lost the love of my life. They foreclosed on my house. My colleagues don't take me seriously. I can't stop drinking. Lost all this weight. Has gray hair now. What the hell am I going to do? And every cell in my body, because I'm an addict, is saying, get another bottle. And then that's that vicious cycle. And then when it gets too unmanageable, some people either kill themselves or they just die of sadness and depression or their addiction. So I was at that point. I was at that limit. I, was, I went that far. Right. So when I heard that voice that said, well, the first step is to get on a train and go to some hospital and ask for help. It was like at that point, I became a spectator in the concept of mercy and how it would play out in my life. I was kind of like somebody told me I could get on this line and somehow come out on the other side. Is no way it's going to happen. I don't believe it, but I'm going to try. And if it happens, I'm going to be in total awe for the rest of my life. And literally, it played out where I literally now could look back in retrospect and say, I, I'm i still in the steps. So, in my mind, I'm just a couple of days from that train and from that first day at the hospital. I'm not that far removed. People here six years. For me, this is like the sixth day. But God created the world in seven days. This is days like day three and day six for me. It's like it's so, it's, but, but it's so frail and beautiful. And I have no desire to even remotely go back. So to answer your question, the first thing that I think is that I that changed changed, and what makes me feel like I have is that I have no desire to ever revisit alcoholism or More Drink. That was changed in me, and I never thought that could be changed because that was the one thing that I always needed to get by and i and i hate it i don't like it and i have no desire which makes me different from a large amount of my peer group in sobriety because i have friends who have 6 years with me but that's like damn i got to go to this meeting today because i need a drink and i'm like damn we got to do more work because i can't even relate to that now like it's I get so that. Utter- it's crazy it's like it's a small subset of us that's like we're totally just the like I just got turned off from that which is a blessing so it's this miraculous kind of like movie that's playing out where I'm the recipient of all this mercy and transformation and it's just crazy like I never thought I would get from this point to this point and now that I'm here I'm just kind of like this new person with these with this lease on life that the universe and life gave me and my willingness to change has given me. Um, and I, you know, you know, life has its struggles and everything. And life has its ups and downs. But for now, on baseline, I'm kind of okay. Like, I have things that I'm aspiring to, you know, okay. um, things that I want. But for the most part, I'm really good, man. And there's nothing I can really say that's so, I mean, it's really cookie cutter with me. Like, it's like this that's kid good. is like, yeah, and it's <clears throat> straightforward. So, um, yeah, and I you think know- that's a transformation
1: and in talking with you, like, I've, 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 you know, I've heard that, you know, like this idea that, like, you don't, you're not going back, you know, like, there's no, it's not, it's, there, you've created in six and a half years a life that it does not fit at all. And I have to say, like, that is impressive. I mean, I've talked to people with, and like, like my last interview uh, that I did, woman had 19 years. That 19 years, she said, it took me 12 to get to that point. Place of thinking clearly where i was like oh wow. you know and so so you are blessed you know like you are blessed with this now now failure is still around the corner right like, <laughs> right <laughs> like, right right like that's right. always and so and and and, and i want to talk about that what sort of struggles like where does your if you have this i don't know um it, do you have like addictive
0: thoughts well the good thing is i love this question because one thing about the podcast is that i try to like check the whole world because i'll be one i want to let humanity know like first of all fundamentally every person most likely have some form of addiction so we, damn when right we talk about, when we talk about and i have an episode that you know you guys can check on the sober door podcast called types of addiction but the first thing that i point out is that we all have to detox from something or if it's a metaphorical detox we have substance addiction so in my case i was i'm an alcoholic so i'm dealing with substance or if you're a drug addict dealing with substance but then you have something called process or behavior addictions Mm -hmm. right gambling addiction sex addiction food addiction um shopping uh work work addiction so Everyone is dealing with some form of addiction or some form of compulsive behavior, but, they, you know, we just don't always identify it. So, for very good question, by the way. And I think we all have the sober sobrieties in, co- in common. So, I try to broaden the subject matter because most people try to, you know, you gotta have a guy who's in $2 million dollars of gambling debt be like, kudos to you sober guys over there. And I'm like, yo, you're an addict also. You need the same steps we you need the same help we we're getting. So you can't look at us and say, it's no it's not apples and oranges. Addiction is addiction, right? So yep. for me, the first thing is I I became addicted to like I just had no education On necessarily Diet, nutrition, and food So I started eating Everything that I wanted Because when rehab, have You know, we have this process Where, you know You got the cigarettes You have the coffee You have your sweets And then you're eating And a lot of that we need In the beginning To kind of cope, right? Because yeah. the dopamine pathways In our brain is. And- burnt out from alcoholism and then we replace those pathways with other addictions like sugar. Comfort, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sugar. But sugar is a molecule away from crack cocaine so it's just damn right. (laughs) Right? So it's just as addictive so we have to check that so I became pre-diabetic so then that made me become like a mini little expert on health and nutrition and sugar. And I had to reverse my pre-diabetes. So on Instagram, it will say, you know, pop overcame um, alcoholism and reversed pre-diabetes and now devotes his life to saving others because I realized there's compounded issues in being alive. So for me, it was food and sugar. So I had to deal with that. Now it's like uh, addiction. Like I am. Like I think the dopamine hits we get from our little pings on our phones is plaguing everyone. It's a whole new problem with the cell phones and the social media. They say every time you hear a ding or a message on your phone, it sends a little sharp spike of dopamine, which is a little hit. It's a micro little yeah. hit everyone gets, and that's what draws the attention. People, they say the attention. Um, I wouldn't call them attention hoards, but you know what I mean. The people who just need this to drug So, for me, I try to watch that. I try to put social media in its place because even now, my sleep patterns was totally destroyed because it's like, okay, I have to hit Instagram and I have to do this post. Next thing you know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I have to be to bed by 11 and then it creates a problem the next day, right? So, it's like all of these little things, but I know this. This is where I want to leave. I know for certain... A lot of these addictions can't, they have to be monitored because God forbid they lead you down a path to get to the monster addiction. So for me, the demon monster of alcoholism shall not ever wear his ugly head in my life again. But if I'm not mindful of other things, it can kind of do things that can shift me off, you know, like for example, smoking, I, I quit so, sm- smoking cigarettes, right? Because cigarettes is an actual, absolute Driver to alcoholism. Like if I have a drink, I'm going to need to smoke. So, mm-hmm. but if I'm smoking, it's still going to be like this big part of my drinking. So I got rid of that. Then I started saying, you know, what if I could have a little bit of pot, right? Oh, uh, you know, that never was a problem for me. And then I realized, but wait a minute, what if that hits the same pathway? What if that causes you to go right back? So that I have to say, I have to be very careful with everything to find a peaceful balance. And that yep. got me into meditation. That got me into the, the levels of high and peace and tranquility and reduction anxiety you get from meditation could deal with a 100 issues that we would probably be using uh, uh, substances. To address right so I got into meditation And I got into exercise and then Health and nutrition and deep breathing Exercise It's something called energy medicine And positive thought reinforcements and mm-hmm. All of these things so I'm like hey We have way more tools to be On the positive than we have On the negative like if it's the negative It's like alcohol and drugs Like uh, the abusive Sex practices and all of this stuff That's, the, like, that's the, like three to four Things you can do on the negative But then you have a plethora of these things you can do on the positive to stay in a balanced state. And I started to look into that to help me. So, yes, I do have addictions. I have addictions to food. I have addictions to, you know, um, I have to be careful not to use my sobriety as another addiction, like running around, oh, me, I'm sober type thing. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I'm high and mighty and I'm the man and look at me because like, hey, like, I try to find... I try to eat a big slice of humble pie every day and remind myself. And my girlfriend helps me a lot because some days I'm hard on her because, like, she may still... She still smokes So sometimes... And I'm like, I just want you to be healthy. She's like, yeah, but you smoke two packs a day and you found your own process, so don't bother me. And I'm like, all right, you just fair enough. Like, I... But, you know, hey, you know, can't say I didn't try. <laughs> then, you know, and, and then we find a balance and then she'll come back and say, I know you love me and you're trying to help. I just want you to be more mindful that, you know, somehow miraculously you found your way and I'm still looking for mine and it's not as easy and maybe you can't help me. Maybe I'm at the front. And I have to realize everyone has to be ready on their own terms, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And it's never
0: going to work. You've never seen a case study I certainly, in my own life, as being my own case subject, i never seen a case study where it's like a person got it together because they wanted to do it for the world, and that, that drives people crazy. Like, you have to just be ready, and AA has some of the greatest one-liners. I love them for that. Like, sick and tired of sick and tired. To me, I think it's on a PhD scholarly level of just <laughs> of just getting, like, putting something together. That's a whole core, that's a whole degree that you could break down and elaborate on sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I think that's where the buck stops for me, but obviously I do have addictions and I'm fighting most of them, I change my diet to get rid of my sugar addiction and I'm just being mindful for other things, yeah, you know and, and, and just that
1: awareness, right, like you step away from sugar for four or five days, you start to see yourself in a different way Yes. You know, and then when you have sugar, because you're gonna, it's everywhere. Yes, yes. You start to realize that, oh, I don't feel so good. I'm kind of degrading myself. I'm not being nice to myself. I'm not being nice to my the people around me. And it's like, once you start to get some distance from those things that you're, that, that, you know, we have addictions to, you know, like like we all know that sugar is addictive but nobody's joking around saying I got a sugar addiction because they really do <laughs> you know? right right like, right like every like I get frustrated when I'm when I see ads that are like this game is addictive or this is like you're gonna get addicted like like who would? Who would agree to do that then? Like, like, correct. who, like, correct. what is the world coming to that being addicted to something is, is
0: advertisable? Correct, like, correct. Right? It's that such should a, be. it's terrible. It's terrible. Man. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, that a lot of those part of the soap movement, and I'm sure your movement is we trying to, like, Try to make it somewhat digestible to the youngest kids and to the next generation because I think I think about it from I my first experience with drinking was at a family party and it was just it was just like any other family party it's like no one ever has the conversations with the children that drinking is bad it's more or less it's implied like don't do that a parent say don't do that but it was just there one day. And I remember it was just, I don't know what compelled me to do it. I think I just was a curious kid. I think I was about 15. And no, I was about 13, no, 14. I was about 14, 15. And I remember it was just a Budweiser can, just a half um, a half full Budweiser can on a table. And I drank it and I literally, my mind exploded loaded and then i didn't know what the hell was driving me i had all of this energy and as a 15 year old kid it was crazy i was able to talk to all the girls in the party and everyone was like hey, what's going on with poppy he he's running around i had another bit i had another bit and i woke up the next day and it was no conversation or follow-up it was just like oh my god poppy drank some tea drink and it was bad and but for me, if that happened to my kid, knowing what I know now, it would have been a shutdown on the whole house for a whole month, full-blown talking and counseling, a full explanation to the kid on why alcohol is bad, why he can't drink. No alcohol would have ever been a le- And I'm not blaming my family. I'm just saying in retrospect, society... All right, it's just like and this is this is me looking at right like you talk about how how are things different from the now looking back in retrospect, I'm just like too many people's loose with everything. They're loose with alcohol, they're legalizing marijuana and the victims, the future victims of all of this freedom to just do what people want is the kids who don't know all of the kids, they're young, they're 6, they 8, they're they, they 12, they're 13, they're on their phones, they don't know any different, but what's going to happen is you and I are going to be counseling and dealing with these kids 5 or 10 years from now because of how lax everything is this whole you know now you got this the, the marijuana pens you could buy in the store you got the cbd pens which is like an uh, introduction to marijuana it's like oh yeah it doesn't have the same effects but it's from the same cat can, cannabinoid so i'm like okay so if i smoke this then what's going to stop me from wanting to smoke some pot and then what's going to happen when i just then now I compound that with alcohol So now you have kids who's going to legally be able to just smoke weed all day and drink and then let's see how that's going to play out when you have an opioid crisis right so what Which the hell do. is going on right. with our society what's <laughs> the next 20 years going to look like and everyone thinks it's a joke but we're on the front line that's saying in our own experience these are the darkest things we ever had to fight and get out of and we made it on the other side but there's people who's not going to make it there's kids who's not, who, had, who didn't make it there's kids every day that's dying you know thank god the um, people in minnesota um they're suing the um, Oh yeah, the, I heard about The that. companies, yeah um, For uh, the opioid crisis And the Sackley family and all of that and I mean, to see stuff like that is, Accountability has to be across the board So, you know um, It's just, yeah Addiction is addiction We all struggle with it And I think that education goes a long way That's all We're not telling people you can't have fun But you have to put the disclaimers out there And it has to be clear I think it should be clear Like you know, but guess what? The good news is, Martin, we have a new uh, resurgence of a, a whole new concept that's trending. Um, I just did a podcast about this the sober, curious movement. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard about that. Oh, and, yeah, you know, they got absolutely. the new book out, and things like that is cool because now I think people are just getting sick and tired before they even get to rock bottom. They're like, I don't think. You know, getting drunk every day is going to be a good idea if I want to move to the next level in my life. Um, and that's cool. And you have actors like Bradley um, Bradley Bill, who says uh, no Bradley Cooper Bradley Cooper was cool. He said like I didn't get sober and stuff just because I was having an issue. I just knew I wanted to be here in my life and I couldn't get there if I was drinking and drugging. So I just stopped because I wanted to be at this level and then when he stopped he became this awesome actor. You know, And guys like Robert Downey Jr., I always tell people when I first got into um, rehab, I used to say, I love Robert Downey Jr. because he stopped drinking and doing drugs, and he became Iron Man. And it was like a cool metaphor was clear. In my mind, he was the real Tony Stark. His sobriety get, made him Tony Stark. And then he became Iron Man, and it was something that gave me hope. So there's hope out there, and there's enough of us with influence that's on the front line. So I think that would create a balance, and that's exciting. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, um, I want to bring this back to you a bit. Um, oh, let me see. Oh, in terms yeah. of like like like, you're super self-aware, right? You're aware of like what's going on in your life. You're aware of like what comes day in and day out and stuff. Where, um, what took place? Like, were there? incidents that took place in your life that made you start to realize you were becoming a different person like were there like things that you know like if they happen every day you'd have the same reaction and then all of a sudden one day like your reaction changed you calmed down like you were you and then you're like oh wait i'm a different person
0: now yeah, you know what, um, for me, I'm going to just give you the biggest example I could give you in that realm is relationships, relationships, right? Like what literally drove me to be like a monumental alcoholic, like a really gifted Professor Xavier level alcoholic. If it was a scale, I was like the dark phoenix. So my thing was like, I, it was like love and relationships and how I responded to loss and rejection. Right. It's like like one of my friends said it the best. He said he can't stand rejection. It's like lethal injection. So some people mentally snap when they hear no or someone rejects them or tell them they're not. And, I, and I'm really not good with taking too much constructive criticism I have to work on that. I'll be honest. Like, I'm really like, you know, I have to kind of really eat a slice of humble pie, sit down and say, OK, this person's trying to tell me about me and trying to school me on me. And I got to listen and uh and I had to grow up and be able to take constructive criticism because I know I don't know everything and I know I have the perspective is everything but for me now I always say and I always say like if I have issues with my girlfriend and like for some reason the subject comes up of separation my response now would be like you know what I love you whatever we gotta do. whatever you know will make you happy I understand I just don't want to waste each other's time I think it's about honesty and you know I'm and I, you know, and this is the love of my life, and I'm that calm. Now, the old me literally would have like drank five bottles of scotch, cried for three days, didn't, wouldn't bathe, grew grow a beard binge watch movies listen to mad world 10 minutes a million times Then put on some moby and waddle in my distress and then go crazy and lose weight and people's like oh my god all of this over a girl so therefore i had issues with separation i had separation anxiety i think that I was tied to bereavement and to the disappointment of losing my dad and now I'm my response to these type of you know separation bereavement um rejection it's kind of like all right this happens in life how do we move forward i have to be very logical about it i have to deal with it it'll be hurtful in the beginning but maybe better in the long run let me take some deep breaths and go catch a movie so you see something obviously changed and i think one of the biggest responses we have in life is our response to love and relationships and now I don't have to run and drink to deal with these things. I could just kind of be like, well, it is what it is. I'm not going to let it stress me to the point where I consider relapse and nothing's more important than that. So I think I love sobriety more than my even relationships because it makes me, you know, this is something that I achieve with the help of God and God within me and His, God's mercy. That's what I think, that's what I perceive it to be, right? And that relationship is the most important relationship of all. My relationship with myself and how I treat myself. So I look at it like nothing, no one is important enough to make me shift my inner sanctum because that was the problem before. I, my identity was in my relationship or with a girlfriend and my business and my real estate empire and me being a young guy in my duplex apartment and, and, and having and being a music guy. My identity was all in these external things and it should have been more intrinsic. And now it's like, nah, it's just about me. I'm gonna. I have to love and take care of myself. There's always gonna be another girl. It's always gonna be another job. It's always gonna be another career. It's always gonna be another thing. But it's never gonna be another Joseph Buchanan, right? So that, so that has to be unshakable, and that's the relationship I had to start to work on. And that's why I think it's a. And it's gonna be some. You have to be selfish. I tell these people, like, look, you could be compassionate, giving, and selfless. And you better add a big dope of selfish in there too because selfish is also to be so loving and self care because if you have to love yourself and i did not when i was smoking and you know what was crazy i remember drinking and smoking and being almost like burnt to the ground and my ex-girlfriend would get dressed to a tee walk right past me while i was laying on that floor go out have a blast Come back home at four o'clock in the morning, go to sleep, wake up and do it the next day. Then eventually she just said, I'm done with you. Then eventually just moved on and just had her whole new life. Now, we're good friends today, but I'm saying this to say she was the greatest metaphor of the world. You yeah. could be sitting and the world's going to keep moving, baby. They're like, all right, well, figure it out. Look at a That's homeless right. person. It's the best metaphor for addiction it's like a person is sitting there with nothing and a cup in their hand wearing their d- bad decisions and their 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 lights and their darkness all over them crying for help and 90 percent of the people is going to walk right past them no care in the world 90 and and when i was almost there i was pretty much there but i didn't go that far thank god i had so much work my family did i mean i come from a great family my brother was a priest um, I, I have a college degree. I had, you know, I, I had enough going on where I was like, okay, so the buck's gonna stop with me paying. in if I can't afford it, you know, I'm not picking up the cigarette off the floor. That's when I found, I found God when I had to pick up a cigarette off the floor. I was like, enough is enough. Like, I don't know what part of the game is this, but addiction is no longer fun. and It's not funny. Like, it can't, yeah. you know. But for the people who didn't have that, there's people that we have to have mercy for that didn't have as much as we may have had. So they went all the way to the bottom. Those demons dragged them all the way through their own excrement of feces, sitting on the middle of the street for days at a time, and no one wants to come near them. And that's a reality that we have to understand. And that's when I realized life has to go on. And you have to love yourself enough to not let the darkness overcome you, because there's no end game. There's only two end games, death, death, jail, or. Uh, Abject poverty and homelessness and
1: that's just death. That's just death. It's all death. Addiction addiction
0: addiction just leads
1: you to death. You know, like and that's the thing. Addictive addictive things only go one direction. Right? Correct. Like which is which is there's a lot involved in all this. But but the reality is I don't partake in drugs and alcohol anymore. Or even like caffeinated coffee very often. You know, like because I know that there's only one direction. You know, yes. like, you, yeah, you could you could manage one drink a day or one uh, joint. But, you know, ultimately, it has a goal to be ingested. And your body, part of your body, wants that too. You know? Like, yes. there are demons that are like, you know what? This is easier. It's easier to feel comfortable. And if you're deciding that you're going to engage in something that you know is addictive, whether that's sugar, whether that's tobacco, whether that's being angry, because I believe that, you know, emotions are an addictive chemical that we can we can engage with, you know, and if you're going to engage in those things, they only go one direction, unless or until you decide enough is enough. You know, correct, and, correct, and, correct, and and that's where so much of this exists. And and you know, like you had a story about your early sobriety that really woke you up. Can you talk about that real briefly?
0: Oh yeah, this is like, man, this 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 incident and this um encounter. Was one of the most disheartening encounters I have my whole entire life, and because when years before I even had an issue with addiction, when I was still fairly a normal kid, because my darkness came within the latter two or three years of um, my process, and before then I was had some normality. So I'm just a regular kid out of college, I used to see this gentleman on a train in New York City and he used to be handing out flyers uh, um, for Alcohol Anonymous and talking about if anyone needs help and he was like the captain and champion of AA and sobriety right? Um, and he used to always say he yeah, has 20 plus, 30 years plus or whatever, I don't know exactly but it was, an ex- it was upward of 25 years I should say. So fast forwarding to about five years after that, I over the years I kept seeing this gentleman. And then um one day I saw him in one of our me he came to one of our meetings when I was in the hospital or whatever, I say block. Now I get out of rehab, I get out of detox, and I'm going into my outpatient. I'm in my outpatient three months in of my outpatient. I'm working as an intern with an accounting firm. You know, that's part of my sobriety, giving me my life back. And, you know, I got back into my business and my real estate and accounting world and stuff. And, you know, in our office building, um, you know, you have like the the lobby area where we're on a second level and I'm on a second level and I hear was commotion in the lobby. So I'm like, you know, let me go downstairs in the lobby. And I see a couple of the receptionists trying to, asked this gentleman can he leave the um, lobby area and I just see like this older man sitting in a chair and he's just like F this F that and he seemed very upset and I'm like hold on hold on guys let me, let me try to talk to this guy and literally when I walked up to him it was the the, the champion for AA one of our most senior guys and he was sitting there with a beer and I literally my heart dropped and I just literally walked up to him. I told everybody, please get away from this man. This man is an, 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 he's an upstanding person. No one is get get away from him. Don't call the police. Don't outhandle everything, right? So I walk up to him and I go, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, what happened? Do you remember me? He was like, no, I don't remember you young Stella and you know I got tears in my eyes and stuff and I'm like you know I said I know you you you're the guy from AA I said I'm sober now you helped me you used to always talk to me he said young man how many how how much time do you have and I said you know I'm about three or four months sober and he said I got over 30 years kid you got more time than me and he just put his head down. I was like, no, no, no. I said, you don't have to start over. You, you got all your years. Could we, What can I do? And he said, can you just help me go outside man? Just help me get outside? And I walked him outside. He had a bear. He had a big bear in his hand and it's a public. This is an accounting firm. I don't even know how he got in there. He probably just needed to sit down and walk in off the street. And he just was like, you know, he just wanted to be left alone. He didn't want me to touch him or anything. He just was like, just get me outside. And when he got outside, he started running after women and stuff. And then I just quit I just was like, you know, it was, you know, I was limited at that point. I was still yeah. at work. But that just that just there was why I understood the work has to be done with 12 step. It has to be done spiritually. It has to be done physically. It has to be done psychologically. It has to be done emotionally. It has to be done on many different levels. A person should never stop mastering or learning how to find their wholeness and completeness and you know and then the thing about this person he was just that probably was his only outlet now I'm not blaming AA because it got him to 30 years but I don't know what could have been his trigger to take that drink and it looked like he lost everything within a moment and he was just so broken and I knew very well if there's if nothing I could do besides him finding that process all over again within himself That's why I had to have the maturity to let him go. That was me letting me know that I was learning. I said, there's nothing we could do. He's going to have to play it all out. He's going to run after the ladies. He's going to have to collapse. He's going to have to fall. He's going to have to, you know, he's going to have to go through it. Now, maybe his process could have been short-lived. He had so many years, but that was really remarkable to see that none of us are safe from the demons of addiction, right? You got to have 90 years and then have that one. Uh, I mean, they even, took, this is a story, I think, in a big book about, I think I don't know if it was the traveling salesman or the guy who had, he, he had many years and then he decided to drink in his older years and he was already successful and then he lost everything and died. And, you know, these are the stories you hear. So, you know, and, and one thing I never try to do when a lot of people, I hear this, they try to say, well, you know, as if they could get to a point of retirement where the world is kind of like where they're free and they, because they're old, they could drink and then they, you know, they paid their dues. You know, like I put 50 years in, now I'm retired, I'm gonna go have me a drink. And then you see the same old guys right back at square one in AA, like, you no, know, this drinking stuff is no joke, right? That stuff is never gonna change. You know, I had a few people who I think are like really terrible who try to like, I had one lady try to give me his whole speech on how I certain medications now that they have where I can drink and it does it. And then, and then she was like, I think you should have the freedom to drink. You seem like a nice guy. I was like, lady, get away from me, please. Like, get all the
1: way away. I'll make from my me. own like, decisions. Thank you very yeah, much. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't,
0: it, yeah, it wasn't even. It was just the, the level of it. It was like, come on, man. You're telling someone who's telling you they got six years of sobriety that there's a way they could drink. Like, just get away. From and, and and people. And she's telling you,
1: hey, there's a drug you can take so you can drink. Yeah, so I like, "Yeah, okay." Like you want I, me to double up? I'm sorry, son. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So my I thing just,
1: is yeah. yeah. I just had a conversation with someone the other day where, um, she had 14 years. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and she used to grin and bear all of her pain, and she had a lot of pain problems and stuff, and then all of a sudden, she started flirting with uh pain meds and then she got you know she got opiates and then within six years she was right back to square one just you know so now she's got like a year and a half um but um good for
0: her good for her yeah no
1: absolutely but but you know like we had this conversation of why did you do it and she said well i achieved everything i wanted to achieve So one of the things that I've noticed about us addicts is that we're novelty seekers, right? We are looking, we're looking to do something that is interesting, right? Like, and, and so it's often many times when, when many people get sober, they're like, well, these are the things that I'm going to do now that I'm sober. They quickly find like, like, you know, like, this is why I talked to you about like, well, what's your work and how does that relate to everything because when, when once you achieve your shit like what then yeah you know do you have more goals or have you achieved it have you have you reached a pinnacle within 12 years and now you're like in retirement like you mentioned you're like oh i can i can have a drink because because now you're not staying sober for anything this once again is about you know like this is why you're the reason for getting sober and Correct. not something because Correct. once you achieve that thing or once you lose that thing or once that thing leaves or whatever you're on your own
0: well you know and i agree and there's one thing i want to leave with the community is that the number one thing I think that we have to put in perspective is sobriety and its relationship to boredom and just being addicts and dealing with boredom and just, um, and like you said, novelty and, what I think is the antidote is creativity. I think yep. that if you just constantly do a deep dive with yourself on or your creative corner now, we can use our seeking of novelty and new experiences and that new buzz and that new thing, but that could be useful. It could be useful in creating oh, yeah. a new business, a company. And so for me, I get into a lot of things and, I, and I'll go gun ho. I swear I'll go gun ho for the first two months Then after it has zero interest. Like I'll wake up one day and be like and to me, that's just an indication that that aspect of it wasn't part of my passion or creative calling, but right. I had to go through it. So it's putting things in your life and perspectives and activities and things, but also dealing with the the, the, the goal of boredom. What I call the weekend effect is when you know everyone's going out and partying and clubbing. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot of sober places. So, so I just read a new CNN article. I'll send it to you. This article gave me a lot of hope. Where. They have these really interesting sober cafes going up. And I'm, I'm from New York and Brooklyn, and they have these new sober cafes coming up where they have all of these amazing mocktails and stuff that you could get. And it's an environment for people who don't drink that could go and It's really cool, hang out. And this is not necessarily geared towards the addiction community. It's more or less that there's a greater amount of millennials and people in society now That are naturally seeking An alternative lifestyle From addiction, uh, alcohol or drugs To feel like they're partying And they're more of the Sober Curious group And that just gives me hope Because now, finally, sobriety is a trending topic You know, so, you know um, Be careful of the people that try to do the bait and switch And you hear a lot of horror stories of these addiction networks And people try to get people in Before they're ready And try to get just for insurance money And stuff, which I think is lousy Because what you do is you throw somebody through a whole process to make money, then they come out and relapse anyway because they never was ready to begin with. But the overall consensus is that now society is getting more ready and that the environment is going to be more suitable for us to have the conversations. Um, so we're going to keep, you know, I'm excited that I'm on the front line of the conversation with sobriety. Sobriety is dope. You know, um, and you know, um, I, I really thank you for having me on your podcast and well, I'm, I'm, I'm,
1: you. I'm honored. I'm honored to have you as well. Cause like you got a lot to say and I, and, and I'm glad that we can, uh, we can join forces and, and, you know, cause sober is dope, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes. It is. That's right. That's right.
0: <laughs>